0: Two Kids and a Career is a production of Jill Divine Media. So you have to really think outside the box and to look at everything that could be impacting your child and set them up for success too, because occasionally all we do is change the bedtime and that alleviates a lot of the night wakings because one thing to keep in mind is that our bodies release hormones to fight fatigue. And so if you have the wrong schedule, your baby could just have that hormone and they can't settle down and then they fall asleep, but then they can't stay asleep. And Sometimes it's just as simple as trying a better schedule or a different schedule.
1: Two Kids in a Career is brought to you by Blondin Real Estate. They're a family-owned boutique-style brokerage with over 40 years of experience serving the counties that surround St. Louis. See the properties they have to offer at BlondinRealEstate.com. That's BlondinRealEstate.com. Hi there, and welcome to Two Kids in a Career. I'm Jill Devine. As an entrepreneur, wife, and mama, the daily grind of trying to build a business while taking care of kids and trying to maintain a healthy connection with my husband, It's a lot with this podcast. You're going to hear candid conversations with other moms, parenting experts who can share their knowledge and insight, or you'll just hear me rambling to get it all out. There's going to be tears. There's going to be laughter, but most importantly, there will be support. Take a listen and connect with me so we can grow and learn from one another. This is two kids and a career. Welcome to episode 95. I am kind of shocked at myself that I have not had this week's guest on or this topic on before now. (laughs) And when you are either uh, pregnant or a new mom or even your fifth child, you always hear the same thing. And that is get ready to never sleep again. (laughs) and you just want to punch the people in the face. I mean, that's how I felt. Uh, Let me introduce Nicole Johnson to the podcast. Nicole is the lead sleep consultant and the owner of the baby sleep site. Welcome to two kids and a career.
0: Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, I'm shocked that I haven't had a full-on discussion about sleep and babies and kids. I mean, obviously, throughout this podcast, I've talked about probably lack of sleep or terrible sleep and all that. But really, it it really truly is one of those, even if you are a brand new mom or newly pregnant first child and people say that to you, like, get ready for no more sleep for the rest of your life. It's like... (laughs) I already know that. Give me some helpful advice. Yes, um, absolutely. I I do remember it was probably one of the most Googled things on my phone, in addition to many books that I had in the house, trying to figure out sleep. And we're going to talk all about that. But first, let's talk about Nicole as the woman and as the mom. Tell me about your family.
0: Okay, great. Yes. So, yes. So, like you said, my name is Nicole Johnson. I'm the president and lead sleep consultant of the Baby Sleep Site. I've been married to my husband for 17 years and I have two sons. They're 13 and 15 years old now. My first son, the 15 year old, hated sleep, and I would say he's still somewhat thinks it's a waste of time, even <laughs> though he's a teenager now, so he still has to be dragged out of bed, which is just kind of ironic, but he's a night owl, and he likes to stay up late, uh, but he basically had FOMO, fear of missing out, and he thought we were having a party every time he had to go to bed at night, so so anyway, I started the Baby Sleep Site in June of 2008, so over 13 years ago, when my youngest son was just a couple months old because I must have been crazy or something. Um, <laughs> the Baby Sleep Site is pretty much designed to be an extension of your village, where you can ask questions, get support, and of course, help your children sleep better. But my personal belief is that there's no one-size-fits-all approach that works for every child, and that's why when you read the books, they conflict and, they, and it's hard to figure out how to apply it to your family. So we strive to personalize the experience as much as possible based on your child's temperament, personality. I learned early on that my two sons had very different uh, temperaments and just needed a different approach to help them sleep better. It took me a while to figure out, but once I helped them, I, I found my passion in helping other people. And um, and now I just try to f- find the solution faster for other, cho- or other children and families than I did. And that's just a bit about me. And thanks again for having me.
1: Absolutely. So I, this is a topic that I could definitely just Go on and on and on and on and on and on (laughs) on and on and on and on. on. So I have a five-year-old and an almost three-year-old. And the Uh five-year-old, like your son, Uh I mean, I just, I feel like from day one, as soon as she entered this earth, she was just like, sleep? Mm Mm-mm. Not going to happen unless it's on my terms. And I also think that she has a little bit of that FOMO. but. It's so funny because I look at me and, oh my gosh, I love me a good nap. I love Mm -hmm. sleep, but I also have FOMO. Mm -hmm. Like if I am at, you know, let's just say a girl's weekend and it's my chance to sleep in and be by myself, but everybody else is up, I'm up. Yeah, it's crazy. It's so crazy. I'm the same
0: way. Yes, definitely. Uh, I know I have to go to bed, but I'll just want to watch one more of that episode on Netflix. (laughs) Right, right.
1: Yeah, And I mean, we know as adults what lack of sleep does for us and um, makes us cranky, makes us Mm -hmm. irritable. And so I think that that was one of my things, too. Obviously, I wanted sleep but i needed my kid to sleep and i did i i read all of the books and i had a lot of people saying to me jill you just can't it, it isn't cookie cutter but i felt like i was trying to prepare myself in a way of i would say and and maybe you can tell me if this is wrong or not but even just like the uh, the developmental articles that I thought were definitely really good to read. Like, here's what happens around three months. And here's what happens about, you know, nine months and how that schedule should look and sleep regression. So I don't know, do you feel like those things are kind of a a good starting point for most individuals?
0: Yes, I would say so. I mean, even on the baby sleep site, we have sample schedules by age. Um, Newborns, we have it by week, and then uh, babies and toddlers we have by month. But I would still say that every baby has their own developmental clock, basically. I mean, some babies are crawling at seven months old and mind and crawl until 10 months old. You know, I I like to say children focus on what they find most interesting first. And that's just my older son, he did not want to crawl, he crawled for three weeks and then walked three, you know, three weeks later, because and now he's a runner, you know. Like he wanted to be on his feet. That is just how he was, you know. So I, but I do feel like the the schedules out there and some of the sleep advice is definitely applicable to a lot of easygoing babies who kind of just, you know, they're kind of textbook. They just kind of follow the schedules when they're supposed to be, you know, give or take, you know, two weeks or something like that. Um, I can I could say that you can you should probably adapt things. So for example, a six-month schedule might have your baby staying awake um, two hours throughout the day. But maybe you've noticed that they can stay awake two and a half hours before bedtime Well, or before the third nap or something like that. Then it's a good idea to adapt the schedule to meet their needs. Similarly with feeding, for example, some babies will eat every three hours, some every four hours or somewhere in between. So you, know, you do have to try to apply what your reading to what you know best about your baby. So that's one thing I see with moms a lot, especially new moms, right? So we're trying to be an extension of your village to give you the confidence that to tell you, you know, your baby best. So if the schedule is telling you something that doesn't work for your baby, then by all means, you know, we need to adapt it. And, you know, maybe you don't use the six months old schedule, maybe use the eight month old because your baby has dropped that third nap early. And that's okay, you know, so, so that's the main thing, I think, when you're looking at, all the internet sites, you know, websites and all of the, even the books, you know, some books have, it's my way or the highway and some books kind of present a few options. So, so knowing what fits your person, your parenting style can, can be very helpful too.
1: And I'm glad you said that because I didn't realize, and I don't know if polarizing is the best word to use in this situation, but When talking about sleeping kids, I have noticed that there are some major opinions. (laughs) And and then when you mentioned, because I had read some of those books that it was like, if you're not doing it this way, now they didn't say this. But I felt like they were saying, you're a terrible mom. And so then I'm like, oh, I'm screwing up my child. And then, I mean, you're already hormonal. You're already, and that was my biggest thing is that I did, I didn't see anything in the middle or anything that just was like, all right, if this is what's working for you, let's help support that and do X, Mm -hmm. Y, and Z.
0: Yes, absolutely. That's what drove me crazy, too, because my four-month-old at the time was waking up every one to two hours, and then the books were telling me he doesn't have to eat at night and I'm breastfeeding and all these things. And I'm like, "That, that just doesn't compute for me. You know, there has to be a way that he can not wake up every one to two hours, but I can still feed him at night. You know, it was just so frustrating to read that, that if to make him or to help him sleep through the night that I had to stop feeding him at night. And the thing about him is even at 15, I would still say he's this way where he'll eat until he's content and then he's done. And then he's hungry again two hours later and he eats again, you know, and it got a little bit better when he was a baby eating every three hours. But for him, he's his metabolism is super fast. He's running, you know, 30 miles a week at this point, you know, so he's obviously going to have to eat a lot. So I think a lot of the books are that way where it's like if if this doesn't work, you're not doing it right or you're terrible for letting them cry or not letting them cry or, you know, um, right. And that's the big polarizing thing is about how crying is viewed and sleep training in general. I would say sleep training has a negative connotation. You know, you're not training our kids, you know, but really we call it sleep coaching. It's more about teaching healthy habits. So just like we teach them how to eat at the dinner table or, you know, just different, you know, cleanliness and hygiene. I just feel like we have to teach them that sleep is important, which I've been telling my 15 year old for 15 years. But um, and that's OK. You know, he's starting to realize that he's really tired when he has to go run and, you know, and he's going to bed early and in things like that, you know. Uh, but sometimes we have the wisdom that babies and children in general don't have. And we have to kind of find ways to teach them something that works for our personality. Um, And sometimes they're going to be frustrated at times, so I'm not going to pretend they never cry. At the baby sleep site, we do try to limit it as much as possible. We try to use gentle sleep coaching um, processes um, Quite often, um, I try to look at it more like learning how to walk. At first, you hold two two of their hands. Then you hold one hand. Then you let go and let them do it on their own. And every baby is going to be different as far as when they're 100% ready to do it on their own. And it doesn't have to be an overnight process.
1: This might seem like a, a really dumb question, but I'm going to ask it. So you held a position on the board for the International Association of Child Sleep Consultants. And it it talks about how, you know, you there's continuing education to you to look at that psyche, to look at the nutrition, to look at the child development that all pertains to sleep. So what my question is, I know we said every child is different, but is there <laughs> is there a component of a, a kid, like, why are so many kids, like, don't, like, as babies, they just aren't wanting to sleep, they just can't get it on their own, like, can you tap into that brain for me? <laughs> sure.
0: <laughs> well, I would say the number one reason that babies and toddlers don't sleep is due to sleep associations. And we all have them. That's that's what's Confusing to a lot of people. So I sleep on a mattress, on a pillow with a blanket. If I woke up at two in the morning and my pillow was gone, I would wake up more fully, look for my pillow. I might even nudge my husband and say, hey, you know, where'd my pillow go? You know, Um, so that's the thing that we don't realize we're doing. So when babies come out and they're newborns, they need to be held a lot. And some babies are just higher needs than others. And that's the temperament piece that there's different temperament traits. And some babies are going to be more sensitive and more intense. They cry harder. You know, some babies fuss a little bit and then fall asleep. Some cry like you're chopping off their arm. You know, that's the intensity. And so with sleep associations what we inevitably do and what i did was basically my my baby would fall asleep when i was breastfeeding or when i was rocking him and my husband could rock him and we we always joked that he needed hard rocking so so it's almost like you know it would almost seem like it's too hard, but that's just what he liked. He liked that intense movement. Mm-hmm. And so that became a habit, essentially. So when I would put him to sleep at bedtime, and this is when I didn't know about sleep associations, I would rock or feed him. He'd fall peacefully asleep. I'd lay him in the bassinet or the crib, and he would wake up one to two hours later to have me recreate it. And the thing about that is, is that it just becomes habitual. That's the only way they know how to sleep. So they need it to be recreated every time they wake up between sleep cycles. The waking up part is the normal part. We all do it. We, we toss and turn. We change positions. I look at the clock. How much more time do I have to sleep? You know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And so I would say that's the number one reason that babies have trouble sleeping when when they're waking is, is excessive. Now, the other thing, the other component, I would say, is expectations, because we do have some families who are reading the books that say your four-month-old doesn't have to eat at night. For my baby, that simply was not true. And so the other part is expectations. If your four-month-old is sleeping through the night and waking up for one to two feedings, we would call that normal. So sometimes we're also just educating um, parents on what to expect at different ages, and we have to fit And what we have an idea about parenting into that, too.
1: Before we continue this conversation with Nicole, I want to talk to you about one of the very first sponsors of the podcast, Blonde in Real Estate. So Blondin Real Estate, they proudly represent property owners in the East Central Missouri region. New Melli, Augusta, Defiance, Forestell, Lake St. Louis, Marthasville, Winsville, Warrenton, Wright City, and beyond. And, and I mentioned those particular cities because those particular cities you need an expert in. Those cities have all these different hidden gems within them, and they could be overlooked. But not when you work with Blondin Real Estate. And this kind of ties into this a little bit. Go with me here for a second. I was heading to an event not too long ago in New Melly, And at one point, I looked over to my left, and there was a lot of land there and a big sign for sale, Blondin Real Estate. And it was just really cool to see all of that. I mean, it's just I don't know, just seeing it all come together in person was really cool. And if you would like to work with the experts when it comes to that area, or you just need a little advice on some other things, blondinrealestate.com. All right, let's get back to that conversation with Nicole. So, with your team, you have a team of sleep consultants. If someone says, Hey, I don't care what it takes that my baby has to sleep in their crib all the time. You I mean, do you support that and you have something for that? What if somebody says, no, I don't want that. I want to go sleep. How do you intertwine all of that?
0: Yes. Yeah, so what I like to say is we are supporting a parent in their unique journey. So there are different ways that people, and we don't have like, there's a right place to sleep or a right, right or wrong way. If you want to co-sleep, then we will support you in that, um, that process or that goal. And, and we do sometimes get like a surgeon. they, cannot wake up a lot at night. They literally have someone's life in their hands. They need sleep. And so sometimes, you know, we just don't have a choice of taking a month to figure it out, you know, kind of thing. And so we do have to incorporate all of that into a recommendation. Now, at some point, someone might say, like, for example, bed sharing babies, typically what we say is we're trying to help your baby learn how to co-sleep basically sleep next to you, but not necessarily need you to walk them around the room every hour just because of that sleep association. We do get those stories, even though you're bed sharing. So we're kind of teaching them how to co-sleep, quote unquote. Um, now, there are some times where we get into a fork in the road and we say, look, um, we've, I, we feel that you you've gotten as good as you're going to get right now. We can take the path, you know, this path and try to push harder or maybe maybe right now is, is you know, this is good enough for now and we can reevaluate in a month when your baby has dropped that nap or, or gone through their next developmental period. I, I think it's a kind of a constant changing thing as they get older. They go from being newborns who sleep practically the whole day to taking just one nap by 15 to 18 months and then they don't nap at all by three. I mean, it's a lot of change sleep-wise in the first few years.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially I am noticing it with the almost three-year-old. It's been quite a while now that the battle for naps, that afternoon nap, Mm -hmm. um, and even at at school, which I understand that that can get, and, and she'll get to a point where she Sometimes it's just so tired that she'll sleep, but it's also intriguing and it's, um, but sometimes the battle is just not worth it. But Mm -hmm. I have also learned that just rest in general, just, just rest. And and this is even with the five-year-old, like, Mm -hmm. I just need you to rest, just Mm -hmm. lay there. And like that can help recharge.
0: Yes, absolutely. At three years old, we definitely start to see some days are nap days, some days are rest time days is what I call it. And, um, and we usually have rest time for approximately an hour or so some will do two hours, but mine didn't. (laughs) He he was FOMO, you know, he had FOMO. So that was a little long for him. But even he got used to an hour on his own kind of recharging doing his thing when we wanted him to stop napping. Um, And, and that's the weird thing about the transition away from napping, it's the most variable. So I can tell you approximately babies will take three naps until five months old or so. And then um, they'll take two naps um, from about eight months to 15 months. But then that dropping that last nap, sometimes it's abrupt, right? You know, at two and a half years old. And sometimes it's like a long drawn out process that some days will be nap days, some days won't. It, It usually starts with skipping a nap once or twice a week. And then it gradually becomes napping once or twice a week until they don't nap anymore at all.
1: It, when you were talking about the dropping the naps and things like that, I, I was flashing back to those books that I was reading and some stuff that people were giving me. And I just kept thinking to myself, okay, A, in general, I am not a numbers person. Like numbers are not my thing. And now I have a newborn and I am trying to keep numbers straight on when the last time she was, she ate, how much she ate. And I am so sleep deprived. And now I'm trying to figure out how many hours do I back off before we go to sleep? I mean, it was like my brain was... about to explode.
0: Yes. Yes. (laughs) I can, I can imagine that. And that's the other interesting thing when we're working with families is some parents are very type A, have a schedule, put it in an app type, you know, that kind of thing. And then we have other that they don't, they can't, you know, they don't like schedules and they, you know, they're just kind of more, Um, intuitive and they just kind of follow the baby's cues. And when there's a mismatch, that's when it's really hard because some babies, they're very clear. Oh, she's sleepy. I'm going to put her down. And then other babies, like they never seem sleepy. They're happy all the time. And it's like, when do I put them down for a nap? So yeah, it's definitely hard. There are apps to help now, but but I definitely understand how that would be hard for you.
1: So with the baby sleep site, obviously it says baby, but tell me really the age. I mean, from birth to when do you really do all of your work and help?
0: Yes. So I would say our oldest has probably been like a six or seven year old. Um, We've, we've worked With quite a few, three to five is a very common age because at three, they start having nighttime fears and they're dropping a nap. I would say those are the most two common things from three to four years old. We've also worked with a few four to five-year-olds who have co-slept all their life and now they want to transition to their own room and their own bed. So that's common too. I definitely say our most common age is from newborn to three years old.
1: It also, like what you mentioned with your son, sleep is an ever-growing kind of thing. So while you're trying to help individuals now with those ages that we just discussed, I think as parents, we also need to understand that it doesn't just end after the toddler years as far as maintaining that sleep, right?
0: Absolutely. And I will definitely say, we see sleep problems cause like behavior problems in school or, you know, lower grades in school. I mean, sleep is very important all throughout childhood and even teenagers. I mean, they need a lot of sleep. That's when your growth hormone is released. I mean, you really do need to get that quality sleep. And I would say, I didn't really realize some of, you know, Back when I had babies, I didn't realize like overtiredness was an issue kind of thing. I thought, oh, you get really tired, you go to sleep. But now I can even identify it in myself. If I start losing too much sleep, I start realizing I sleep worse. I'm not sleeping enough, and it's like a vicious cycle. Well, as my children got older, I would notice at five years old, six years old, seven year old, or seven years old. I mean, even as ten year olds, I'm like, oh. I could see that they're starting to get really overtired i need to put them to bed early a couple of nights and get them caught up because i you can still start to see that deterioration their mood their behavior especially tant more tantrums just very emotional and with my older son especially he just gets so cranky. It's like our whole happiness as a family kind of relies. Mm-hmm. He's much better now at 15. He can handle it a lot better. But when he was a baby, man, when he got tired, it was just brutal. He was oh, so horrible. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, I would say all throughout childhood, it's very important. And it's harder now that they're teenagers, they're athletes, you know, sports. They have to study all of that. But if you can try to encourage more sleep, they'll do better in school and they'll be better behaved.
1: You think, Nicole, that maybe that could be an extension for you at some point to delve into those areas and those ages?
0: I don't think so, only because <laughs> at, some a- at some age, it starts to become more of a discipline issue and it. routine and, you know, and kind of um, it's really up to the parents to kind of, you know, have those I mean, I'm happy to share expectations and I also do some back to school, how to get your school age child back on the school schedule and that kind of thing. But overall, I haven't seen a demand for a lot of help in how to implement bedtime routines for older children.
1: Got it got I, it
0: i I'm definitely not opposed. If somebody came to us with a ten year old I'm happy to try to help you know
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Like> anything yeah <laughs> you know yeah. when the parents are like, I surrender,
0: yes, I mean <sighs> sometimes we're just educating parents and helping them with their routines and and just having creative solutions. sometimes you're just too close to your own situation i mean, um you know sometimes someone comes to me with an early waking problem, for example, and it could be any age. And, you know, and then you find out that, you know, they're eating dinner at 4 p.m. The the child is waking up at 4 a.m. because they're hungry. You know, it's yeah. like little things like that. Sometimes you're just too close to, like, see it, you know, so we're happy to look.
1: Yeah, and I think that that is a, an important piece, too, that as a parent and any parent, maybe might not be thinking of right away is like, okay, let's look at those things first. Like maybe it isn't that your child can't sleep or won't sleep, but let's look at those kinds of things. Because I know sometimes I'll even overlook it right now and think what is happening. And then I'll start to kind of pan out and look at the day and the day before and go, okay, now I understand
0: yes we have a very holistic approach to when when we're working with families and when we work on we do personalized sleep plans so we make over 50 decisions and look at an entire sleep history and it's not just about what sleep training or sleep coaching method you're going to use because we've actually solved quite a few problems without any sleep training or sleep coaching at all because sometimes that's not the problem you know Um, the thing is like babies for example they need 25 to 35 ounces of breast milk in a 24 hour period or 24 to 32 ounces of formula. And sometimes it's just as simple as changing the feeding schedule and they sleep through the night and there's no sleep training, no crying involved, you know, so we love those kind of solutions. So you have to really think outside the box and to look at everything that could be impacting your child and set them up for success too, because occasionally all we do is change the bedtime and that Alleviates a lot of the night wakings because one thing to keep in mind is that our bodies release hormones to fight fatigue. That's wh- how we get our second wind. And so, if you have the wrong schedule, your baby could just have that hormone, like you know, going through and they can't settle down and then they fall asleep, but then they can't stay asleep. And sometimes it's just as simple as trying a better schedule or a different schedule.
1: What I gather from our conversation is just that. If you have an idea of what you're looking for or you have no idea that it's going to be a very welcoming environment to go to, like we've just said, sleep talk can be very polarizing and not discussed among people and some judgment. But that's what I like about what you're saying that your team does is like, hey, Whatever you want to do or what your goal is, we want to support that and we want to help you.
0: Absolutely. Yes, that's very important to me that when people come to me that they know I'm not passing judgment at all. If you want to co-sleep, you know, more power to you. It didn't work for me, but I'm happy to support you. And we've worked with many families who want that. They're attachment parents. They want to co-sleep. They like that closeness. They just need a little help in actually the sleep part <laughs> like you know you just want your baby to sleep while they're co-sleeping you know uh, and then we have other people i want the baby in another room i can't sleep it's you know i i it's just not possible for them you know and everybody has a different story and a different different goals and and we understand that and we and everybody's success looks different so what one person comes to me and they say oh you know i'm happy to feed them twice a night can we make this better. And then other people come, I want to go 12 hours without feeding him, you know, and and it, depending on the age, we will be very honest and say, I think this is going to be difficult. Um, that's not really um, the recommendation or we need to be careful about your milk supply. And we will give you cautions. Don't, you know, don't get me wrong. But at the same time, we have been successful with some situations where they really need the sleep because sleep deprivation for moms can also be very mm-hmm. bad for, you know, just your mood and your behavior and, you know, different things and i'm a better mom when i'm getting a good night's sleep and postpartum depression is a very real thing if you're not getting enough sleep so in some cases we we do have to push a little bit harder than maybe we um, normally would just depending on the situation but we're we're here to support you in your unique goals and in a way that feels right to you you know we're not going to push you to do something that you're not comfortable with Uh, we just want to support you on your unique journey
1: and you have a great team in in place and and what i like to <laughs> this is a big joke with my husband and me but if we're given some options of okay whatever the thing is that we need to do and it's like oh you can go here here or here mm-hmm. and i'm like okay well, which person is going to support me in the way of warm and fuzzy? Like I need warm and fuzzy. So when I walk in the office and if for some reason this, I need warm and fuzzy like Uh that, it, it, I think that that's important too, to have just a team of all of the things. Yes. You know what I mean?
0: (laughs) Yes, definitely. Yes. So I do have a team of sleep consultants and we all have, we've been working together for a long time and I have one, Sarah, she has an early intervention background, so she can help with that type of thing. And the other thing is we, we are all similar, but different. And so if for some reason, you know, you want to communicate differently and one of us can jump in, we keep We keep copious notes in the account, and you know, and we can jump in if one of us is out of the office and that kind of thing. And most importantly, what I like is that sometimes we have really tough cases, and and the baby just is not cooperating. And sometimes you just need a fresh set of eyes. And so we'll shoot an email to each other. Hey, can you take a look? Am I missing something? What you know, what do you see that I might be missing? And sometimes we'll have different ideas or different knowledge base because we're all helping hundreds and thousands of families over the years. I mean, it's been 13 years, so we have helped thousands of families. So we all have similar experience, but at the same time, we've worked with individual families, so we also have individual experience that we can bring to the table of, oh, I worked with a family like that, let me look it up, and then we look up kind of what happened, and, and that really gives us, you know, an ability to see red flags. Um, I remember one mom I was talking to, and she was telling me about her baby, And I'm like, you know, something just doesn't sound right. I think there's a feeding issue. It has it's this is more of a feeding issue, not a sleep issue. It turned out the baby had a tongue tie and a lip tie that had not been identified. And Uh. I was able to identify that something was wrong over the phone because of all the experience with the other families I've had. By far, I'm not a doctor. I don't want you know, I don't want to paint that picture. But because of my experience, I'm able to draw on that and say, you know, something's just not right. This is not a sleep issue.
1: And I want to say, too, we are not in the same area. So (laughs) if individuals are thinking, oh, this has to be in the St. Louis area. No, this is because I will say I had been told about some sleep consultants Mm -hmm. in my area. And, and because they were so good, they were so booked up and they couldn't help. Mm -hmm. And it's like, when you need it, you need it now. So you are able to do things virtually. Well, you know, now everybody does, but that is the great thing is like, you can do that and you can help in any part of the United States.
0: Yes, in fact, we help worldwide. Actually, so we have helped people all over the United States, South Africa, Australia, UK, uh, Hong Kong. I mean, pretty pretty much anywhere that there's English speaking. (laughs) Basically, Um, now the other thing. So some people will come to your home. So we don't do that. We do phone and email. And the thing is. Um, the ones that go home are very good, and i'm not I don't want to say anything bad in that way. Some people do like the the face to face. The only thing with that is that usually they stay for one or two nights and then it's phone or email after that. Okay. Um, so for us, a lot of people are very successful over the phone and email, and then we usually have more of a on and off relationship over time. So, for example, a lot of our packages are good for six months kind of thing and so we have people that you know kind of get their personalized sleep plan then they'll work the plan for two weeks or so they have improvement and then we might not hear from them for two to three months after daylight savings or something like that okay. um, so things like that come up so with when you have someone come to your house it's usually like one or two nights and then two weeks of support and then you have to buy another package basically. So, so that's, so it's just a different way to do it. And I feel like, you know, it just depends on you and what works for you. And that's what I always say is that we're here to help you in the best way that works for you. We, we just don't really do in-house things.
1: Okay. So we've been talking about all the wonderful things that your team offers. And so now let's get the listener the information and I will have all of this also online with my show notes at jilldevine.com. But how can people reach you? What do they need to know? Anything that you would like to give out right now?
0: Yes, sure. So our URL is what, uh, babysleepsite.com. And we are on the main, you know, social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, um, and basically it's slash babysleepsite. You can reach me at Nicole at babysleepsite.com. That's N-I-C-O-L-E, no H. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'm just happy to be here, happy to help families and support them in any way that I can. Um, I always like to tell people you're not alone. We get over 500,000 people a a month on the website, millions per year. Um, So you're definitely not alone and we're here for you.
1: And yes, I would like to mention that if you haven't been to the website or you're learning about this for the first time, babysleepsite.com. There are tons of articles. There are tons of tips, great things at that website to help individuals just kind of just start learning and understanding in my opinion.
0: Yes, definitely. We have over 300 articles about babies and sleep all free on the website. And we have s- several free ebooks as well, which is which are very helpful to get you started.
1: Thank you so much, Nicole. And yeah, let's uh, keep in touch. I might need to call you up in, in a matter of months or years with my kiddos. So thanks, Nicole, for joining me on the podcast.
0: Oh, you're welcome. And thank you for having me.
1: In our next episode, Tommy Geary will be joining me for episode 96. It's always nice to have the perspective of a guy and a dad on the podcast, so we can understand as moms and women a little bit more as to what they're thinking and how we can work together. Tommy is a certified men's mindset coach and co-owner of We Embark, where he coaches dads to live a more fulfilled and adventurous life. So he's going to dig into that in our next episode. And I hope you will tune in. As we wrap up this week's episode, Blonde Blondin Real Estate is one of the sponsors of the podcast that I am just so grateful for them because they have been with two kids in a career since the very beginning. And one of the things that I love about Blondin Real Estate, they are ahead of the game when it comes to technology. So there are all these different features that a lot of real estate agencies are rolling out now, or they ro- rolled out maybe a couple months ago that... Blonde and Real Estate has been doing for quite some time. They keep up with the trends, they keep up with the technology, they are on top of it. So if you are looking for the best real estate agency around, please visit Blonde and Real Estate at blonderealestate.com. And I would like to thank you for listening to this podcast. And you could follow along on social Instagram, Facebook, Twitter all of the places that you can follow me, you can find at jilldevine.com. And wherever you're listening to this podcast, if you wouldn't mind subscribe rating and review it, I would be so grateful because that allows this podcast to get into the hands of others. It's just all about sharing the words. So thank you again for your support of two kids and a career.